0: What is up, guys? Welcome to another episode of What Any Vision. I'm Roberto Rojas, and joining me as always is Federico Perez, Maria Britos, and Ralph Hanna. And guys, you know, it sucks that we don't have any Paraguay national team games. Unfortunately, we do have an international break at this moment, but that does not mean that football is not um, being stopped in our country, at least from the domestic games. There's a lot that's been going on. We can't wait to discuss what's been going on with certain clubs that are fighting for relegation teams that are kind of straightening themselves because of some injuries and, you know, a lot of heated races, as we keep talking about every week. There's, it always seems very drunk, as I always like to say, that anything can happen in this league, and so far it's getting so tight. But let me go straight into this uh, over there in Paraguay right now, who actually are now getting in the same time zone as we are. Fede, how are you? Feliz Semana Santa as well to you, as um, to everyone as well
1: that is listening. Thank you, Roberto. I'm not that really- so I mean, there's not much to, to congratulate me on this week, but obviously it is an important week here in Paraguay for the, for a very religious country. It's a very calm week also due to this kind of lockdown that we're going through. Again, uh, uh, most people will have to stay home most of this week while trying to have that number of cases go down. It does have to do with that, the lockdown this week. Uh, everybody... Uh, The government telling everybody to stay home, stay put for a couple of days. So things get a little bit better. Meanwhile, thankfully, football has not stopped. We did have a big game this weekend, Libertad against Guarani. And a lot of changes going on also. Some clubs even are having to reset. We're halfway there on the Apertura. And uh, I was just looking at the big news in South America again. This is not the first time we said it on this tournament. They're changing manager Ever Almeida has taken over again. This is a, a manager that has come and gone from this team. Uh, let's see if he's the final solution that South America need. They will face on their first game on Ever Almeida and their, his son, Ivan Almeida, uh, the, their first game will be against Cerro Porteño on this next coming up weekend. So it's a big game for them. Uh, the, 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 the the race for the title is tremendous right now. Just getting tighter and tighter with that result coming from from Libertad and Guarani, that tight game. So we got so much ahead of us. We got so much to talk about in another great episode of Guarani Vision.
0: Absolutely. I cannot wait. And let's go all the way to Miami, to uh, Ralph. And, you know, it, it is the international break, but looking at what's obviously we haven't seen Paraguay play, but at least for England, promising signs at least heading into the Euros. But how are you, man?
2: promising signs for England, the senior side, but the under 21s have been struggling a lot at the at the week, similar to in the US with the under 23s not qualifying for the Olympics. So the future's maybe not as bright as we hoped, but, but at least England got a couple of good results. Um, yeah, I'm good, thanks. It's, it's spring break here. I've got a few days off work. My kids are off school, so enjoyed the beach today. Um, and you know, it's, uh, it's been an exciting time as we're talking about with domestic action going on. And also we have some, some international football taking place very soon for Paraguay with the women's team uh, taking on Japan in Japan, which is going to be a very tough game on the 8th of April. And they announced their squad over the weekend on Saturday. Um, it's maybe not the strongest squad possible. I'm sure there's a lot of restrictions with travel, with COVID. So they only have five uh, foreign-based players called up to the, to the squad. The rest are all local players. Some of them we saw recently in the, in the Libertadores, like uh, Liz Pena, for example, who, who had a very good first game. Um, so let's see what they can do. Tough, tough matchup, because Japan is, of course, one of the powerhouses in terms of women's football internationally, and they have to go to Japan. To play there. But but let's see. And yeah, looking forward to, to discussing everything with you guys. We're going to, love to talk about Libertad Guarani. We got Olympia with a big game at the weekend against Libertad. Cerro making some signings. So lots of stuff to, to get through.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, definitely a good test for Paraguay to go all the way to the land of the rising sun to take on the former world champions in Japan. But before we get into that, let me introduce to you to Maria. Maria, how are you? And how are you personally feeling? Because I personally think it always has to be American Airlines Arena. I was looking at your tweet the other day, and I was like, oh, I got to <laughs> mention this to her and see how she feels about that.
3: Yes. What's up, guys? How's everyone doing? It's been an off week. But yeah, I'm very sad, actually, about the AAA changing its name to um, TK. Uh, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not too sure. That's how FT- much FT-X. it sucks. FTX.
0: FTX. And there you go.
3: <laughs> there you go. That's the one. Um, so yeah, that's a that's a very sad ending for the AAA here. A historic, a uh, couple of decades here with Miami. So we'll see. We'll still call it AAA on the low key. But uh, yeah, it, it's been a not a crazy week. It's been a low key uh, key uh, week. Uh, weekend, just one game for the uh, the Clausura with Libertad tying up with Guarani, which is Pretty crazy. Uh, the table is still the same, but doesn't look so good for Libertad, who could have clinched uh, three points and they lost the opportunity. But other than that, we'll, we'll touch on, on how, how it looks for uh, uh, Club Olimpia right now, uh, going up against Libertad as well in their next game. So we'll see and we'll preview that game as well. But uh, lots more to talk about. I'm excited.
0: Definitely. And we'll go straight to that. But before we do, we do have to mention some transfers that actually happened. Um, some of the transfers that we saw happened to Serra Portena, which actually made uh, in a way sense uh, given the fact that they had an injury for Rodrigo Munez, their goalkeeper, meaning that they had to come in with a replacement and that replacement is Jean-Pierre, a goalkeeper pl- played in Brazil. I think he played for Sao Paulo, but he had... A couple of issues that I'm sure if you can Google them on on Twitter or go on Twitter or something like that, there are some suspect things. But in any case, he comes from Brazil, um, and also going to Brazil actually is Oscar Ruiz going to Bahia? Uh, Ralph, I actually wanted to go to you on this one first because obviously it's um, it's a good incorporation you would say for for uh, for Cedro, given the fact they're getting someone of experience but they do lose a key player in the process with Oscar Ruiz heading to Bahia. But, you know, how, how do you assess both these transfers? And, you know, how do you think it benefits Cerro Borteño heading into how they view their season,
2: especially with many more important games coming up? Well, going first into Oscar Ruiz, he's obviously an attacking player left winger. Um, he's been he's been very important. I would say it's kind of an impact sub for, for Cerro from, over most of the... Chiquiase's kind of uh, second period here. So Ruiz was always a very useful player. But what I'm sensing from this is Mateas Gonzalez, who came in, the Brazilian, the Brazilian winger, um, he must have been gone one up in the pecking order because of some good kind of good kind of performances. And that's why Cerro feel that, that Ruiz can maybe make that move to, to Bahia, where I believe he's going on loan for, for the next six months. So Another thing about Cerro is we've just finished the first round of games of the, the Apertura, and Cerro are three points off the top. They kind of joined with, with two other teams, with, uh, with Guaireña and Olympia, but, but Cerro have actually been one of the best-performing attacking teams. There's a really good Twitter account for those people that, that speak or read Spanish, called marca zonal. And they were talking today about Cerro Porteño kind of touches in the box, um, shots on target, effectiveness. And they're actually number one on, on all of those stats in terms of attacking. So I think Chiquiase feels Oscar Ruiz can go. We're doing well anyway. We have the replacement, which is Mateos González, uh, uh, which is, you know, a player that that's performed very well. So they're OK now. For the defensive side, and with, uh, with Jean coming in for... For the injured Poppy Munoz, is an interesting signing, like you said. I mean, it's, it's one of those signings that they're kind of in an emergency because they weren't expecting this to happen. We talked about, we talked about Munoz in the last game, that he comes out to try and punch the ball and misses it, everything, the ball goes in, and he got injured in the process. Well, it turned out it was a very bad injury for, you know, kind of ligaments. Um, And Cerro obviously do not put all the trust in Miguel Martinez, who's a, who's a very... Young goalkeeper, very inexperienced. So they so they've looked to try and to try and plug the gap, and I think they're looking at a few players like Gerardo uh, mm-hmm. Ortiz. They were talking about the, the ex sol goalkeeper, um, and they ended up with this this Jean Blair. So I don't know. It's it's one of those. It's probably they've done the best they could in this situation of it's it really was last minute an emergency. But I think as you kind of alluded to, Roberto is this guy is not not really known to be you know. A great goalkeeper or you know he's just one of those almost journeyman kind of players that was at Sao Paulo. He went on loan to Goianense where where they've just signed him from. He came through it from Bahia by the way. That's where he played his, his youth football. So it's kind of a player that maybe he will do the job. And maybe with a team that's attacking too well. Hopefully they don't need to rely too much on that on that goalkeeper. Um, but I'll throw it out to, to the guys to see what they think if if this is the right move or not for Cerro, or could could they have got anybody better, right? Well, I wanted
0: to go to Fede on this one actually because obviously they still do have another goalkeeper in their ranks, and obviously is a much younger goalkeeper, Miguel Martinez. So, what happens to him now? Because it seems like he's probably going to be fighting that spot for Jean Pierre. We might see one of them playing the Copa Libertadores, one of them playing the league. What do you think is going to happen to him, and what do you feel? is the best-case scenario, to say the least, for Cedro?
1: Well, first of all, more of a Brazilian touch for this team, right? We had uh, Matthew Gonçalves coming in, uh, Chiquiarza it's himself, right? He has a, a whole history behind him uh, in Brazilian football, so he knows very well what he's doing, what he's looking into in, in, in that place. In particular, uh, he wasn't the first option, like Rob said. Uh, I think they were going for the Paraguayan. Uh, that was playing in Colombia I think they really wanted him and they just couldn't get him because the club over there didn't want to let him go it wasn't enough money the time wasn't enough they, they needed more days to uh, uh, to try to negotiate everything, and they just ran out of time. They, they needed to sign someone. It was out of an emergency, and the best thing they could find was John Paulo Fernandez Filio, known just as John Pierre or John. We'll see how, how people treat him here. He's 25 years old. He hasn't played much uh, lately in his latest team. That's what kind of scares me. Uh, he has a couple of goals from free kick. Uh, he has a couple of saves, important saves from penalties. Uh, He does have kind of a bad background, like uh, Roberto was saying in 2019. He has a case there that everyone can look up and and see what we're talking about. He hasn't played in over a month, and he can only play in Libertadores, Roberto. He can only uh, play in this first half of the year for Cerro Porteño in Libertadores. He is not allowed to play in the Apertura. He is not allowed to play in the local tournament. So that, I think that's just good news for Miguel Martinez, the Paraguayan. I actually wanted Ortiz to come because those are our two goalkeepers that are actually fighting also for a spot. In uh, the national team, so that was going to be a really good head-to-head right there, a good competition. But I I think this is good news for Miguel Martinez, who is going to take advantage of it. He did it last year already when the team needed him, when Munoz already had an injury and he was out for a while. And I just think this is great news for him because this is the only way the the sub goalkeeper is going to come in if the starting goalkeeper gets injured. Unfortunately, this is a part of the game, and it, it. it went like down like this for Cerro Porteño. They lose a very important goalkeeper, especially for Libertadores. But hey, maybe it is the big chance for Miguel Martinez to grow up, to mature, and finally get that spot. If it's not made for Jean uh, Pierre, who is just coming in and will only have the spot available in Libertadores.
0: Definitely, I think it'll be a very important thing to to check out for him. And and obviously, we'll see how Jean Pierre does when going into those big games where all eyeballs are going to be on him because much more pressure, I think, in such a tournament like the Copa Libertadores. So we'll definitely wait and see. wanted to switch gears into what's been going on. And Maria, I'll go to you because you had alluded it in your introduction. What's going on between Libertad and Olimpia? That is the next big game that is going to happen. Obviously, this is coming off of Libertad's draw to kulu as we had mentioned, a Guarani side that was in crisis that had done really poorly at the start of the season. They ended up snatching a point thanks to a goal uh, in the 85th minute from uh, Um, So, I mean, this is definitely, I think, for, for Orteman's case, obviously being the new manager of Olympia, that these are the games if they want to stamp in their, their authority on wanting to do well in the league. And, of course given the fact that looking at how the table stands, if Olympia does win this, they will go top of the table. And, you know, Ralph had mentioned beforehand, it's the second half of the season now. They still have to play each other. This is where all you can't afford to lose, basically, because, you know, losing those points can really mean that a lot, of, um, a lot of the other teams will go and take advantage. So I wanted to ask you, how important do you feel is this game for Olympia in their uh, perspective of winning the title and then having those chances to win the Apertura?
3: Well, look, guys, I think this is not just an important but a must-win game because not only do, did they lose the last time that they met with uh, Olympia with Libertad, but they can, they like you said, Roberto, they can clinch the first spot and go to uh, continue into that race into the first spot. So that's definitely a very close game for, for uh, Olympia that they, they need to win no matter what. Uh, so so far they lost uh, one game in in, in their last uh, three games. So it's 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 not it's it's all right for for their their record has been looking okay. Uh, now with the new coach, hopefully, and the way that they play last time, hopefully they get their gears going and and make the make good decisions so that they can beat Libertad. But it's been tough winning against Libertad because they usually win most of the games that they play against each other. Uh, I want to say about twenty three of the fifty six that they actually played, and so that's not a very favorable. Uh, uh, stat for Olympia, so this is definitely a must-win for them. Uh, I believe, uh, I believe Olympia, um, sorry, Libertad has been un- unbeaten in the last three games, so they're looking good. Uh, their, their last game versus Guarani was a tie, and they they got one point out of that, but it still wasn't convincing for everyone. Uh, a lot of a lot of people were criticizing them that they lost their that they lost their gears their and they just let Guarani uh, get the one goal at the, at the end of the game and, and it wasn't a very convincing game for Libertad. So if they wanna win, I think there's the stats are in their favor, are in their favor, but uh Olympia is the one that is that has to win for sure
2: this game. Going to quickly to the game first, the Libertad Guaraní that Maria was mentioning. That I think the criticism of Carnero in that game was at half time when they're leading one one nil. Guaraní reacted right, and they brought on Mana and Vialva, Keiko Vialva. And there you could see like they were just a different team. They were they were winning the ball much higher up. They were they were starting to stretch Libertad in a way that they hadn't managed in that in that first half. So you were thinking. Okay, so Garnero, what are you going to do now? Are you going to try and maybe, you know, maybe draw them in, hit them on the break? Or are you going to try and bring in a more defensive player um, to to try and stop it? And I thought he took quite long on the substitutions. But when he does make the the substitution, let me just see, because I just had this up. But let me remind myself. Yeah, he brings on uh, Ramon Martinez, right? For Hugo Martinez. And, and he makes a double change there around 60, 67 minutes, but it's not, I don't know, it's it's not the, the right formula to, to, to try and stop those Guarani attacks. And in the end, is Vialva the substitute that scores the equalizer. And it was well-deserved. Like, Josue Colman played really well in that game for Guarani. I think he hit the bar from a free kick. Um, so there's, again, those questions of a Garnero about, tactically, it, can he adapt? And that's something that... that uh, costs him in the in the Libertadores so I think talking now about Olympia Libertad this will be really interesting because now you see Garnero who knows that Olympia team perfectly because he managed that I mean most of those players are the same and then let's see does he read the game better because his players he knows and he sort of understands the combinations or does Orteman uh, who's relatively inexperienced in Primera, but has a lot of experience from, from lower league football with, with San Lorenzo, can he outthink Carnero? And this is again for those two teams it's the closest they'll get to like a warm-up for, for Libertadores because it's two teams that have actually qualified for Libertadores. Well, Libertad are in the final qualification stage but this is maybe the best time we're going to see You know how these teams could uh, play in, in Libertadores because this is the the best quality opposition we'll see. Um, and finally, we get a really interesting matchup of Olimpia have the best attack in terms of most goals scored, and Libertad have the best defense. They've only conceded six goals in in ten games. In ten games or nine games, uh, I'm losing myself. Ten games, right? They played. Um, so so this is it. This is kind of. That matchup, right? To see, you know, what 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 gives first—the defense of Libertad, or or can the, the attack of Olympia be too strong? So I think we got a, a good game in our hands over the weekend.
1: I actually think that this could be the match of the tournament, like like Maria is expecting for it to be a big match for Olympia. I think this this is the clash of titans, right? After we what we've seen in in their first game, especially Olympia coming back now with Sergio Orteman, they look so much stronger. They look like they're they really ready to 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 make it a fight for for the title. And Libertad looks strong, but you don't you don't really know what to expect from from Carnedo starting eleven, like Rafa was saying, maybe there's a lot of strategy behind what he's picking right now. He does have a couple of players that are not available. Uh, uh, like Antonio Barrero, that's an important player, I think. Uh a white player on the right side it's really hard to know what he's going to put there in the midfield and attacking wise also because he started the tournament with Oscar Cardoso and Sebastian Ferreira they're two very attacking players two forwards actually but now he's surrounding Oscar Cardoso with other kind of players like Bogarin and Merlini that we saw uh, uh, that we saw them against whatany he has so much players available, that he can actually uh, play with this uh, until he finally finds that a perfect formula that, that that gives him what he actually expects from this team. I, I was listening to Garnero after the match against Guarani. Obviously, they felt like they lost it because five minutes before the end of the match, Guarani ties it ties it, and they actually deserve it because that second half was all about Guarani. The first half was for Libertad, but it was just that kind of game, a half for each team. And I, I think the, it was a fair result that one one uh, between them. But it got, just like Garnero said, he wants his team to be way more aggressive. And that's just what they needed in that second half. We saw that from Guarani, but we didn't see that from Libertad. I think they still need to uh, to find the way to play 90 minutes in that intensive mode, in that in that uh, Libertadores mode, I would even say, because... You are going to need to step up your game when those matches come up. And I think that they're, they're getting that the team ready for that. Meanwhile, they're, they're fighting the Apertura. They're, they're the first team right now, if you look at the standings. And they're not perfect, but they're not perfect. And look where they are. So I think they're favorites, especially because they already beat Olympia. So I'm going to put the pressure on them to do it again, especially because they're going to be the home team now. And it's just going to be Ordemans second game, even though it looks like he's going to repeat the same starting team that that beat River by a lot of goals uh, on his first match. But I, I, I think Libertad really has a lot to do, has a lot, has a lot to change around, has a lot of subs available, and especially Garnero knows just perfectly well what he's going to go up against. He was there in that locker room for so long; he knows perfectly every player he's going to go up against. So I think from the strategy point of view, Garnero, uh, I think, can win it also.
0: Definitely. I think it'll be a very interesting matchup just because of the storylines, as you said, Garnero, knowing these players well and through. Orteman just getting his second game in charge. And I guess the best way to, to win over, I guess, the fans is to defeat your predecessor, well, previous predecessor, to say the least. But yeah, I think a lot is really going on to this. I think, obviously, the way that the title is being set up from the way that these guys are being perceived by their fans, by the public, I think it'll be a really great game and I can't wait for it. So definitely uh, tune in for that one when it does happen this weekend, but before we close it off, guys,
1: Oh, I'm going to be the only one predicting this. I'm I'm the only one that said Mm -hmm. that's going to be the favorite one. The rest of you were like, yeah, it's going to be a tough game. Nobody Mm -hmm. else going to predict this game.
0: You know what? I will. You know what? Just because he said that I will. I will actually think this ends in a draw. I think I will go for a 1-1 draw on this one. I think it'll be very, very tight. I think, obviously, as you said, Libertad are a side that really work well. Um, Garneto, Olympia, you know, even though it was just one game, they have the pedigree to say the least. But I think it's going to be a very tight game personally. So I- I'm going for a 1-1 on this one.
2: I'm copying you, Roberto, because I'm. I was thinking one-one as well. I don't think either team has enough to score twice, which would be enough to win it. So let's. I'll go with the one-one too. Maria, going with the obvious, going with her Olympia, or
3: actually, guys, I was going to say I'm going to go with uh, Libertad this time because I think that the, the odds are in their favors, and it's just Orteman's second game, so there's a lot going on there, and I think after this a uh, tie that felt like a loss to Libertad versus Guarani. They're going to push through and they're going to come back stronger. So I'm going to go for Olympia. I'm not going to give a score, but I'm just going to go for, sorry, for Libertad.
0: <laughs> Being cautious on that part, at least. And you know how we do on predictions. So maybe it go one way, maybe we'll go the other. So we will definitely see. But but those results, I mean, you know, it could factor in for the other teams like said or like Guarana, who, you know, again, we, we're telling everyone to not sleep on these guys because they can definitely do something. So, yeah, it, it's going to be very tight, I would say, um, especially for this game and all the everything that comes after it personally. Um, before we go and close off, we do have to mention something that actually came in mind and Fede, we're going to actually go to you on this one because I think you're the best one to speak about it and Raph, of course. Um, There had been some issues going on with Sportivo Luqueño recently. Sportivo Luqueño, of course, are celebrating their 100th anniversary, their centenary at the moment, but not everything is going well in the Ciudad de Luque. I mean, Fede, if you wanted to, to go over what's been going on with the club, I mean, go right ahead. The floor is yours.
1: Yeah, well, thank you, Roberto. I, I, I want to bring in Ralph also because obviously he follows Luqueño all, all, all the time. He has done it for these last couple of years. Uh, uh, we can talk so much about Luqueño, everything that's been going on these last couple of years. We can even go back to to the 80s and 90s, like I was telling you guys off the air, that you know it's kind of hard to, to not link this club to other big families and families that have even been investigated, that have been, linked to football situations and that have been kicked out of football also, right? Like uh, Leos uh, that was ahead head of Comebol back in the days, in the 90s also the tire family, lately in the 2000s, uh, all these big families with a lot of money that, uh, that had a, a special love for, for Sportivo Loqueña, but that also uh, took advantage maybe of the club and took over the club especially with, with the power that they had of being presidents and especially with all the money that, that they had to, to pretty much put everybody aside and just be them uh, commanding the situation that's been going on ever since the eighties, the nineties. In the meanwhile, uh, Luqueño was able to, to do a couple of important things like have the humongous stadium being champions in first division. And we're talking about Luqueño because it, it is their hundredth year and they're still living this weird situation. There's still this, this, uh, Weird situation going on around the club, but it could have an ending uh soon. Especially because there is an annou- announcement that on the eleventh of April, uh, the people that are against uh, the actual president, Celso Casa that has been there forever. He he actually used to manage the money in the club back in the Ramon Gonzalez Diaz days. The Diaz clan, the Diaz family, that has fallen uh, a couple of years ago. They, they were investigated and the, their, their money is useless now. In Luqueño, they are all banned from football also, so they can't get close to it, but they do have Celso Cáceres still trying to uh, link to them and uh, he's, he's trying to... He's trying to maintain his spot, be the president, but he's lost all the people that are around him. All the, all the board that's been around him these last couple of years has left him. So he does have to be an assembly. He's gonna try to keep the, the spot, obviously. But there is uh, another movement that's going on. Hugo Rodriguez will try to be the elected president on these upcoming days with Julio Cesar Romero. Romerito, uh, somebody that Rob can talk to me a lot about because he's a very uh, uh, important player. If we talk about the history of of Luqueño, you know very well who I'm talking about, Romerito. Rob, he might be the second vice president of Sportivo Luqueño soon.
2: Yeah, that's right. Romerito, of course, a lot of our fans from the U.S., the followers will know he, he played in the, in the MLS alongside Pelé, I think. he was even that era with the, with the Cosmos. Yeah. And there's a NASL, stand. Yep. Yeah. NESL on the cup. End. Oh, yeah, right. Pre, Pre-MLS. And there's even a stand named after him in the Feliciano Cáceres Stadium. One of the stands is, is named after Romerito. He's a, he's a very important player. Um, he's actually been around politics in a way, trying to run as a candidate in, in actual elections, you know, for, for the, the ruling party here in Paraguay. Um, but now he's getting involved in the football side of elections coming in as this, this vice president, as what Fede explains, is really the official, you know, this would be the official elections, which are taking place on the 11th of April. And they're the only people that are running. So in theory, you know, it's a walk-in, they become the new, uh, the new board of directors, president of Luqueño. But what's happening is, as Fede was mentioning, Celso Cáceres is trying to hold on to power and maybe realizing he can't do it through this official means on the 11th, he's gonna hold his own election on the 10th of April and, and essentially proclaim himself the president of Luqueño. Now, I was talking to a guy called, called uh, Leandro Barruja, who's the president of the of the Electoral Commission, the Independent Electoral Commission for Luqueño. And in their opinion, the only official elections is the 11th, because the 11th of April, because these, you know, these came through the whole correct process in October. They announced there'd be new elections, and the elections would be these ones on the 11th. So according to them, the only official people is going to be, the the rodriguez and the romerito combination on this
1: that could be problems though ralph we had a case back a couple years ago sport colombia they were in the second division they had two presidents they had two teams after doing two assemblies and the uh, and the apf the the fa told them no no you can't do this you're banned you're out of this category and they were sent down several categories and they were banned from football for several
2: seasons i hope this doesn't happen to lukeño exactly this is a big uh, they say danger for lukeño if this could happen because the apa fa uh, call themselves totally neutral the paraguayan fa will not get involved and decide that one uh, rules over the other because this is actually you know this is an internal electoral uh, system that the clubs have to manage. It's not for the Paraguayan FA to decide whose elections count or not. But if this does happen, then you have these parallel elections take place and two people claiming the president, then for the FA, they kind of, you know, the easiest thing is to say, well, you, you guys sort it out. We'll, we'll suspend you and then sort it out yourselves. Um, like Fede says, let's hope this doesn't happen. Let's hope maybe there's along the way some kind of, Determination before that, maybe a, a negotiation that that Caceres doesn't, you know, do this, do this alternative or parallel elections, and and maybe you know, for some kind of immunity, were they to check the finances of the last few years, or maybe they will go through the justice system in Paraguay and and they will get a ruling that way rather than than having to wait on on the FA. Um, but either way, it's a, it's a difficult situation they're in, just as they got moving away on the pitch as in they were in danger of relegation the results on the pitch recently have actually pushed them away there's a few teams below them now and they're looking a bit safer there but there's still this kind of cloud hanging over so let's see what happens in, in April and of course we'll, we'll inform everybody to the followers of, of Paraguayan football so they know what's what's going on with with Luqueño uh, in this hundredth year
0: absolutely there's a ton of drama that's been going on as we mentioned always on the pitch and always off the pitch it's so it's, it's a common thing that's been going on even even when it is an international break there's always something going on but yeah definitely we'll see what happens with as they head into those elections in the next few weeks but guys another great show as always you know of course everyone can listen to us of course on youtube on spotify on apple Podcasts. make sure to like subscribe Leave any comments. We appreciate all the feedback as possible to help us grow into the into the pod that we are. So, again, for myself, for Berta Rojas, for Fede Perez, Maria Britos, and Ralph Hanna, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Why Any Vision. See you soon.